haven't finished yet, but I'm in that like Game of Thrones segment where everything is really starting to roll and it's vicious and terrible and you know, I'm neglecting things I ought to be doing. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. One of India's best-selling novelists lives here in Houston. Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni's latest novel, The Last Queen, has just been released in the United States. And let me tell you, it is a great summertime read. It's one part woman-centered view of Indian history, one part dewy-eyed romance, and one part murderous court intrigue. I'm talking with Chitra today. It is Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Chitra, thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Could we start just by getting you to give a brief biography? Where did you grow up? How did you become a writer? I grew up in India. I My father had a job that moved us around, so I just moved all over India. And maybe that is how I became a writer, because first I became a reader. I was always the new girl in the schools I went to. Everybody else had their little groups, their cliques, and I mm -hmm. was always the one out. It was often very lonely. And oh. I think books became my best friend. And later, much, much later, I wanted to create that for myself and for other people, worlds that that would be fascinating, worlds that I hoped that people would not only just escape to, but come back from having learned something important about their own lives, because that was true for me. Oh. So how did you come to Houston? What brought you to the United States? Okay, quick recap. So I came yeah. here for graduate studies. I studied at Berkeley. I did my PhD in literature. By then, I was very much certain that literature was what I loved, but I wanted to be a teacher. I had not yet started writing uh, professionally. I wrote for myself. And Berkeley was a wonderful place where I read so much, and the great books became my teacher. They taught me how to write. At that time, there were very few uh, creative writing programs unlike the wonderful one in which I teach at Houston. And that brings huh? me to why I'm in Houston. So very serendipitously, my husband and I both got jobs at the same time. Uh, he worked for Shell and I worked for the University of Houston. And it's been a wonderful experience. We have such an amazing program and students from all over the world. How many books have you written now? It's 20. The Last Queen is my 20th book. This amazes me. Okay, and let's talk now about The Last Queen, um, which I am loving. Could you just give us a very brief description of it? Yeah, The Last Queen, the, the title character, she is the youngest wife of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, mm -hmm. who was a great king in the 1800s, the early 1800s. In India, his kingdom, the kingdom of Punjab, was the last great kingdom left standing because the British at this time were taking over all of the kingdoms one by one, just systematically dismantling them through war and treachery. And when Maharaja Ranjit Singh died, uh, through many amazing things that happened, 
Maharani Jinda, my title character, and her son, Maharaja Dalip Singh, who was the youngest son of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, become king and queen regent. It's an amazing set of events that happen. And one by one, all the people between Dalip and the throne just die. You know, if I had made it up, no one would have believed it. But <laughs> this actually happened in history. Yeah, it was this amazing, treacherous, terrifying world that yes, 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 like the great Game of Thrones. As yes, <laughs> you know, it starts as a romance novel and then it turns into Game of Thrones. Yes, and that was something that I liked as I was creating the Last Queen. That there are so many angles to the story. In the beginning, it is a great romance because she is the daughter of the castle's dog trainer. And for her to come to this great king's attention, for him to fall in love with her, for him to uh, admire her and respect her so much that he marries her, not just makes her into a concubine. It's really like stuff out of a fairy tale. And then it becomes Game of Thrones. <laughs> I have been very interested in sort of the books you're writing lately. Um, I admit I haven't read the last few because... They are feminist retellings of great Indian literature, things like that, that I do not have enough familiarity with, I don't think, to understand. Is that a fair characterization? Yes, yes. Although yeah. I would say that they're mm -hmm. world stories, so anyone can read them and understand, okay. but they are retellings. And okay. as you know, in the 20th century, retellings mm -hmm. of mythological tales has been popular. Oh, yes, here she is. very important. Right. Very important to understand those timeless stories through a woman's eyes, through the feminist lens. And that's been my endeavor in the last few years. Although I continue to write immigrant stories, which for many years, that was what I was focused on, the lives of immigrants. Oh, okay. Because I think of The Last Queen as being sort of of a piece of thinking hard about Indian culture and history through a woman's eyes. Yes, Yes. So I'm surprised by sort of this, this career arc, because I thought you were doing more of the immigrant stories early on, and now you're doing more and more Indian culture and history. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Why is and, that? Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to give you an answer, but then first I'll give you the true answer. The true <laughs> answer is... Or maybe I should give you the other answer first and then the true answer. The other answer is that as I get older, I'm more and more interested in kind of the, the world culture of India and how what happened in India is very relevant even today. So, for instance, one of the great lessons, I think, of the life of Jinda, the last queen, is that and of India at that time is that if we cannot come together, outside forces will destroy us or sometimes we ourselves will destroy ourselves. And this is what happens in India. This is why literally about a handful of British rulers, governor generals, etc., could take over an immense subcontinent, right? Millions mm -hmm. of people, how could they overcome it? It defies logic. It's because there was infighting the Indians could not come together. There were factions. And isn't that what we're seeing all over the world, people breaking up? I mean, including in our country, mm -hmm. the factions unable to see themselves as a whole and therefore 
getting weaker and weaker through this infighting. So I think there's a great universal lesson in some of these historical texts, and I'm very interested in exploring that. <laughs> but yeah. the real reason is that books just come to me. They just uh -huh. come to me and I ideas come to me and I get fascinated by them and then I have to write them. So what drew you to The Last Queen? I did not grow up knowing the story of Maharani Jindal. Very oh. few people did because oh. she's one of those women obliterated by history. Everyone knows about her great husband. Everyone knows about her tragic son from whom uh, the British took away the Punjab empire and they took him away. They took him away to England and he lived much of his life in Queen Victoria's court and colonized him culturally so that he was happy. It was like a Stockholm syndrome. He was happy being there. He loved Queen Victoria until he meets up with his mother and something happens, but we won't give that away. But, <laughs> okay. but, but I didn't yeah. know her story. And I had gone to India to do a presentation on my novel. It was at a big literary function. And, and, and India, you draw crowds, enormous crowds, like a thousand, five hundred, right? Yes. So I was at a big literary festival and I'd walked in early to the auditorium to hear the person. You know, I, I, I didn't want to be late. So I was there. And this person, a historian, William Dalrymple, was showing slides. And as I walked in, I saw a slide of Maharani Jinda and her painting and her face was just so arresting. I said to myself, I have to find out more about this woman. How is it I don't know about her? I thought I'd read a lot of Indian history, but I didn't know about Maharani Jinda. And once I started reading about her, it was just fascinating. Also, she was treated so unfairly by the world that I wanted to tell her story. Also, she had such a great spirit to be mm -hmm. indomitable in the midst of all of that, that I wanted to, you know, I really wanted to share that with the world. So I put aside the novel I was halfway through, and I wrote this one. <laughs> because it called to you. It did. Yeah. It did call to me. I can't write things until they call to me in that way and resonate within me. Until then, they're just ideas. I write them down in my notebook and... Maybe I'll come back to them. But some, yeah. some just leap off the page. Okay. And what has the reception in India been like for this novel? Oh, it has been wonderful. I was so afraid because there are a lot of controversial things in this book because I've been very true to her life. I have not whitewashed her character. I have not presented her as this great heroine without any flaws. She's very human. Mm -hmm. She has a temper, she makes the wrong decisions, she's given the wrong advice, and sometimes she doesn't know that it's the wrong advice. So along with her courage, along with her charisma, along with her great love for her son, for which she's willing to sacrifice everything, we do have these other things, including the fact that she will fall in love with the wrong person, uh, she will trust people who will betray her, including mm -hmm. this person that she loves. So, yeah. you know, these were sticky points. Sometimes people don't want their historical, you know, their national historical heroines to have these. To be complicated. To be complicated. But telling the truth the best I can is really important to me. And I wanted yeah. to do that in the last screen. 
but people just took to this book like I could not believe it. Uh, <laughs> and the the one word that reviewers kept saying was unputdownable. I was like, wow, this is my new favorite word. <laughs> it was a number one bestseller. It's been optioned for a movie. Yes, yes. And it's won a couple of really big prestigious awards. So, yeah, I'm feeling very thankful. And I'm hoping now that it's just come out in the U.S. that readers in the U.S. will love it too. Yeah. But I'm excited about the movie because I do think this would be you know, one of those big movies if it's done well. Oh, yeah. So do you have any idea what you'll do next? What are you working on now? Yeah, so I'm working on another historical novel. I, I figured now I've learned how to write a historical novel. So. <laughs> no, no, that was a joke. Uh -huh. What happened is as I was writing this novel, I realized that this was the beginning of the independence struggle in India. So right in Maharani Jinda's lifetime, not only does she uh, fight against the British, there's the first and second Anglo-Sikh wars, but there's a movement all over the country, and it's called the First Independence War, and it takes place in 1857. And sadly, it is brutally put down by the British and by kings who sided with the British. So, you know, again, that kind of not being able to come together destroys that movement. But then that... That idea has taken root in the Indian psyche now, and there are more and more attempts towards independence until in 1947, India will finally become independent. So I wanted to trace the end of that arc. So this is the last queen is the beginning of the arc, and I wanted to trace the end of this arc. So my next novel, which is going to come out um, by the end of the year in India, and I'll tell uh -huh. you why, uh, okay. is about independence. It's about, but it's a more personal story. It's about a family of three sisters and how the whole independence movement affects their city, their state, but ultimately their family and themselves, how they have to learn what independence means and what is the price of independence. And the novel is titled Independence. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay, so why is it coming out at the end of this year? Yes. So this is the 75th anniversary of India's independence. And this wasn't something I had in my mind when I was writing. I was just continuing the art. But then my publisher said, it is the 75th year. We must bring it out by the end of this year. So, so that's what's going to happen. You know, fingers oh, crossed. All right. Chitra, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for doing it. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. And I want to say one of my joys of living in Houston is it is such a literary city. And that, like the life of Maharani Jinda, is a well-kept secret. People, when they talk to me about Houston, and I tell them what a great cultural and literary scene we have there, they're like, Houston? Are we talking about the same Houston? I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni. In our show notes, we will have links to The Last Queen and also to one of her older books, Before We Visit the Goddess, which is partially set right here in Houston. Now I am here with roving producer Carly Jones. Carly, what else is going on in Houston? 
Hey, Lisa. So today is the first day of summer, and with it brings what the National Weather Service is calling a dangerous heat. Temperatures are expected to reach 9 degrees above average, triggering a widespread heat advisory in the area. Meteorologists are encouraging Houstonians to drink plenty of water and remain inside as much as possible to stay safe. In other news, we all know that the gas prices have been the talk of the town lately. And although the gas prices won't be letting up anytime soon, good news does seem to be around the corner for electric car users. The Texas Department of Transportation released a five-year plan earlier this month to put in place charging stations for electric cars every 50 miles along non-business interstate routes. The goal is to add enough electric vehicle charging stations throughout the state to support 1 million electric vehicles, which will allow for easier long-distance travel. That is it for CityCast Houston today. If y'all like what you heard, please rate us highly wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. I'll tell them where to put it. All right. Okay. All right.